Blog Talk Radio. this show is about emotional eating. The question being, are we eating to live or are we living to eat? Joining us in the studio is Sherry Sakanagi, a health coach who has studied over 100 dietary theories, practical lifestyle management techniques, and innovative coaching methods with some of the world's top health and wellness experts. Those experts include Dr. Andrew Wheel, Director of Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine, Dr. Deepak Chopra, leader in the field of mind-body medicine, and Dr. David Katz, Director of Yale University's Prevention Research Center. And this list goes on. It's quite comprehensive. But right now, I want to welcome Sherry to the show. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Della. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So tell us about you and why why food? Why now? What's this all about? Well, I've always had a, a big interest in food and nutrition, and um, when I had the opportunity to go back into the workforce after raising my kids or having my kids, um, I was able to do anything I wanted to do, and this was an area that really struck me, and I went back to school for my own personal information, Mm -hmm. but the more I studied, the more I realized, wow, I really have a lot of information that I can use to help other people, and so I delved even further and um, it's just kind of snowballed from there. Well, and I want to say here, which I think is really important, I want to remind our listeners, and I want to say that, you know, the purpose of this show, and, and my purpose for being on the air, is to bring a voice to everyday issues and things and conversations so people will know that they're not alone. And I think that emotional issues, eating issues, is huge. What do you say to that? Emotional eating, and I don't, when I say that, it's not necessarily a negative thing, and we will get into that mm-hmm. because I want to be clear what I mean when I say emotional eating. But food and emotions and women in in particular are very interwoven and interwebbed, and it's it's very complicated. It's become complicated. And I, I've kind of found that it's my desire to help women navigate that. Mm-hmm. So food is food and emotions are emotions and, you, and and there's a healthy interplay between the two of them. Well, as your coach, so as a coach, how do you, you, you know, people are saying, okay, I want to get healthier, I want to do this. Then where do your, where does your line stop with, okay, how do you figure out how much of this is emotion? How much work do you have to do on the front side, if you will, before you can start getting down to portions and food and that st- sort of thing? 
I will tell you, and you'll hear me say this probably over and over in the next hour, everyone is so different. Mm -hmm. I've had people come in that know nothing, Mm -hmm. that will eat Whoppers for dinner Mm -hmm. and wonder why they're not losing weight and having energy. I also have people who come in and they they know more about nutrition, like the basic nutrition, macronutrients, calories in, calories out than I do, but they still don't feel good. They're still not losing weight. And it's those people that I find to be so fascinating because there's deeper, there's there's more there. And that's where it's kind of fun to delve down and figure out, all right, you've got the basics. Why aren't the basics working? Mm. And does that often tie to emotional eating? It almost always ties to emotional eating. So when I started doing this, I was just like, I'm just going to go in and teach people about kale. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell them to swap this for that. Um, But what I really realized is that in almost every case, there was a big emotional component that needed to be addressed. Well, I love what I read somewhere, maybe on your website, it says it's not what you eat, but why you eat. So talk to me about, and you know, I really want this interview, although I know you're the expert and you have all the training, I I really want this to be a a more of a girlfriend-to-girlfriend chat as well, right? You know, I've known Mm -hmm. you for a while, and you know me, I love my food. I'm an emotional eater. And so I'd like to ask you to go back to what you mean when you say you want to be careful about how you describe or how you define emotional eating. Give us more on that. Sure. Well, we're human beings, so we're emotional. And let me tell you, Della, I'm an emotional eater, too. I, I am not going to sit here and say I have got this figured out by any way, shape, or form. I've got stories. But um, we eat for enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look forward to eating. And that's great. It's when you're using food as a substitute for perhaps um, loneliness or anger or fear or frustration mm-hmm that you're starting to use food in place of something else. That's where it starts to get complicated. Like I get going out and you're like, I'm turning 40 and I'm going to go have a great dinner or um, looking forward to stuff like that and celebrations. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're emotional. It's fun. It's, there has to be a, an enjoyment in food. Mm-hmm. There, just, there should be. Right. But when we're using it to cover or fulfill another need, that's where it starts to get complicated. Mm-hmm. So I want to try to stay on track here and stay with the emotional eating. And this subject is so huge about emotional and then about the food itself. And growing up, we, that's how we celebrated with food. And that's, we still celebrate now with food and holidays and birthdays. It's not just, you know, maybe one thing. It's you got to have a whole trough of all these different kinds of carbs and starches and all these different things. Where do you, as you talk to people, how do you even begin the conversation to talk about whether it's emotional eating or not? How do you do that? It's usually somebody coming in and even talk, when I say I'm going to be talking about, you know, on KBU tonight, emotional eating. Oh, I'm, a to- I'm totally an emotional eater. Um, women identify with that yeah. really. Like they'll pinpoint that in themselves. Right. Um, Again, it's when people don't feel good. I don't feel good. I don't have energy. I can't lose weight. Mm. Um, Why is that? That's where I start to kind of play with looking at what you're eating and then looking at why you're eating it. 
you know, if you're just going out occasionally and enjoying a big meal and maybe you feel a little bad afterwards or whatever, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But when it's ongoing and ongoing and the Doritos become your best friend, that's where we're starting to look at, okay, what's lacking? Yeah. What is this feeling for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, we are using food a lot with where, you know, um, kids, sports teams after games, they get food, uh, parties for kids' sports, food, um, birthday parties are all about food. Everything's about food. It really is. Right. Um, it's just a matter of using it in a healthy way. Right. Well, you know, just as we were, remember, we were just out in the hallway, just getting ready to come in here for this interview. We were talking with someone out when they found out what our topic was this evening, and they talked about how we are actually rewarded for eating, you know, eating contests. And what was that contest? A woman ate a steak, a huge steak, in like two minutes where the past person, people had not been able to do it in less than 15 minutes. What does that say? I, I'm still trying to digest that story. Yeah. That's just like the hot dog eating guy. I, I don't get it. I don't get yeah. it. Um, but food has become more than food in our society. Yeah. It's become um, a reward, a, a friend, a, a soother. A, it's become a lot. You know, I have a friend who says you know, she doesn't like to use food as a punishment or a reward. And I think about how... You know, we we do use a lot of food, but I do want to go back to how you talk to people. And I really want to get out there ways that people can think about their food. And I love what you said about, so you may eat a meal and not feel great, you know, once in a while. But when you always turn to food and then you're not feeling good and you don't have energy, that's what you pay attention to. Right. And that's what your advice is to people. And truly, if you're looking, and this is where people, I'll, half of you may say, I'm, I'm out of here because you've heard it before, but tried and true, try and true. If you are serious about delving into your relationship with food, mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge what you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. And in, in order to do that, my number one recommendation is you start writing it down. You start writing down what you eat, when you eat it, how you're feeling when you eat it, mm-hmm. um, really delving, making the connection, not changing anything yet, just merely acknowledging it. You cannot change anything you don't acknowledge. And that's a lot of what emotional eating is, is trying to kind of stuff and ignore. Mm-hmm. So I really ask people to just say, listen, we're not going to make any changes. This is how we're going to start. We're just going to put it down, and we're going to look at it. Let's just look at it. You know, no panicking. We're just going to see where maybe some of the holes are. And that's where I really ask people to start. That's, I think that's a good start. So I want to talk about a culprit in food, sugar. What is your immediate reaction when I say sugar? I've got a sweet tooth that you would not believe, my friend. <laughs> um, sugar is, it's the culprit for a lot of people. A lot of people who are trying to lose weight cut out fat when really if they cut out some sugar, they'd be a lot more successful. Yeah. Um, sugar is, is, is addicting. 
Well, I like what you I read on your website. It says, everyone needs a sweet treat every now and then. For me, it means every day. What do you mean? What are you eating? I day? have something sweet every single day. I don't believe in deprivation at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a sweet tooth. Some people don't. They'd rather have some Cheetos, and that's fine, too. Um, I have two squares of really fantastic dark chocolate every day. Um, I can't think of the last day I didn't have that. It's something I enjoy, and it it does it. I read an article, Sherry, on NPR, and it was by Eliza Barclay, and it's called, Is Sugar Addiction Why So Many Diets Fail? And she, in this article, quotes Ashley Gerhardt, a psychologist at the University of Michigan who runs the Food and Addiction Science and Treatment Lab. And this article says, it's a bit more cautious about comparing sugar to drugs like nicotine and alcohol. She says that addiction jury is still out on sugar. We still need uh, to better understand whether people addicted to sugar experience tolerance and withdrawal in the same way they would with drugs. What do you say to that? That is very interesting. I have not had a drug addiction, so I can't say what withdrawals are with drug addiction. I have had a pretty severe sugar addiction Mm -hmm. that I did kick Mm -hmm. about four or five years ago. Um, I was not sleeping. I was jittery. I was not able to leave the house without Lifesavers and Tootsie Rolls. It was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went cold turkey, and it was hard. It was hard. What do you mean when you say hard? How long for you? Oh, it probably took a good mm, three or four weeks to really, you know, be like, okay, this is good. Mm -hmm. This is good. And I felt better. And while you say everyone's different, How do people know if they're getting too much sugar? That's another really interesting thing about people. Some people are very dialed into their body. Mm -hmm. They would go off sugar for a day and they'll be like, I totally noticed that. Some people would go off sugar for a month or two and be like, I don't notice any difference. It it really a lot plays into how dialed it is you are to your body, what the symptoms are, what you're trying to improve mm-hmm. um, by, by decreasing the sugar in your diet. So I've seen one of those maps or billboards, if you will, not billboards, but like displays where it shows you a cup of soda and it shows you exactly how much sugar is in it. And it shows, you know, just all these different items, like even juice, how much sugar is in juice. We start with sugar so young, like putting it in juice. And I would imagine it would be you know, a pretty hard thing to shake. And I like my sugar for sure. And I think about how, I guess what I'm asking you is how do you break that down? How do you get people to even talk about sugar? Because it's in everything. And so where do you start with the sugar conversation? I love having tangible examples like what, you know, where you see the billboard with the cup of sugar. And I do a workshop where I actually bring in, um, examples of how much sugar is in a cup of yogurt, like how many actual cubes of sugar are in a cup of yogurt. How many are? It depends on the yogurt. Oh, right. But, you know, it's, we're talking way more than your daily allowance okay. of sugar in one cup of yogurt. And if you're looking at the RDAs, they're talking um, eight teaspoons of sugar a day, so more than eight teaspoons of sugar in a yogurt but you're going to add on top of that. Maybe you're giving your kids a chocolate milk or you're eating a, gosh, only knows, a latte mm-hmm. with 
there it just really adds up. You really have no idea how much it adds up until you start counting it. And so I just heard you say that sugar, if you can really get that under control, that's would you say that's the first starting point? Is it sugar? Again, it depends on what you're what you're what you're trying to get out of it. I mean, really, if you can eat a lot of sugar and it doesn't bother you, it's not great for your health. Mm-hmm. But what's your motivation? So for me, I couldn't sleep and I was restless and jittery. Mm-hmm. So for me, I had some motivation I, to improve that. Now, if I went off sugar and I didn't feel any better, mm-hmm. I'd probably hop right back on that train. <laughs> but I felt better. Right. So you have to identify what you're trying to to accomplish mm-hmm. by cutting out the sugar. I'm not going to go to everybody and say, you need to cut down on sugar for your health, should you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're not overweight and you're sleeping well and you, you don't feel jittery and you really enjoy those red vines every day, who am I to stop you? How do you what do you think about how caffeine plays in with sugar? Yeah, I have a caffeine thing too, really. <laughs> you would wonder how I became a health coach at all. <laughs> um, it's all in moderation. It's all in moderation. Everybody's going to be able to tolerate a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit less. Um, I love coffee. I know my limit. And if I go over it, I don't feel good. So, so this is what I love about this interview. It goes back to paying attention what works for you. So whether it's your eating, whether it's um, uh, emotionally how you feel, it's paying attention really, isn't it? It's all about paying attention to how you feel. I know so many people, maybe some people listening out there, want me to give you the hard and fast. If you do this and this and this and this, you are going to feel better. You are going to lose weight. You are going to have more energy. I could say this and this and this and this. That will work for some of you, but not for all of you. Mm -hmm. It's like the paleo diet or veganism. It works fantastic for some people. Mm -hmm. It does not work for everybody. So save your money. Don't go buy a catch-all book because that's what your friends are doing and your book club's doing and that sort of thing. You have to really dial down first at what your body, what you're trying to seek with your body. Listen to your body. Like I said, let's start journaling. And then we can take it from there. It's amazing what I come up with with people that, that you would think I'd be like, oh, I would never think that. Yeah. And that's what worked. Yeah. So I do want to go back to the emotional piece and around, you know, just kind of how we will just, just pop something in our mouth because it's there. Or we're thinking, you know, this is a good idea to eat this. And, you know, you just get into the mode of eating. I mean, just the other night, um, getting ready to have dinner, already had dinner cooked, but then um, was having dinner and decided to go and get hummus and um, flatbread. Didn't eat it, but just like, oh, this is a great idea to have an appetizer with this dinner that's already cooked because it's going to sound good together. Talk to me about that. Did you enjoy it? Every last bite. Then I'm going to say there's a lot worse things out there than that. Um, I think a lot of times we find ourselves, and if you can catch yourself in the act of doing it, in fact, I just did it two days ago, when you're standing in the pantry with your hand in a bag of chips or a bag of cereal and you're just eating with no purpose, yeah. if you can stop yourself in that moment and say, what is this? Mm-hmm. That is, that's a good trigger point. Mm-hmm. And do we have time for an example? I'll give you an example. One quick one because we do need to go to break. I would at 3 o'clock about two years ago, about 3 o'clock every single day, I would start – 
I would start grazing my pantry. And I'm a nutrition person. I know it, you know, I know a lot. And I would start just grazing on things, goldfish crackers, things I wouldn't even eat. And I'd be like, what is going on? And I really had to say, what happens at 3 o'clock every day that I start, whether I'm hungry or not, I hit these foods. And after really writing it down and thinking about it, I realized that that's about a half an hour before my kids would get off the bus. And mm-hmm. at that time, it was kind of chaotic. They would come in, and it just it, it wasn't a good time for me. I didn't enjoy that time. And I, it was the anxiety of the waiting for them to get home that would cause this anxiety in me. So I'm like, I had to put some things in place to, to fix that, which I did. Yeah, that, what a perfect example, because I know that anybody listening can understand when you start eating from something that gives, makes you anxious. Thank you so much. You are listening to Bread and Roses. We are spending time with Sherry Sakanagi, a health coach, who is spending, really getting deep with us about emotional eating. And before we left for break, we, we kind of ended on eating out of anxiety versus when we're hungry. Talk a little bit more about that. You were giving us an example about how you would do that. Talk a little bit more. How much do you see of that from people, clients that you see? Almost, uh, I will say the majority of people have emotional or mindless eating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it doesn't have to be something serious and deep to set it off. Like right. mine was just my kids coming home from school. Right. But it could be, you know, fight with your spouse or losing your job. I mean, there's so much that mm-hmm. I've worked with women with the serious, serious, and then little, little, but the the triggers are there for people. So I would say almost everybody has a trigger yeah. um, that will that will at least set off bouts of it. Right. You know, for some people, it's every day. For some people, it's once a week. Most people, it's a certain time of day. Mm-hmm. Evenings are a big um, trigger time for pe- that I'm noticing a trend that it's a trigger for people. Mm-hmm. Um, evenings after dinner, yeah, um, after dinner you want that little snack, a little something. You want that little snack, or maybe you don't want the snack, but maybe you have a big day at work tomorrow that you're not looking forward to, or maybe you had a fight with your boss during the day, or maybe an employee yelled at you, or something that where you're just like you feel uneasy and you're trying to soothe it. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes we'll turn towards a big bag of trail mix Mm -hmm. um, instead of really putting some other things in place. Yeah. So uh, I want to just touch on something you said. You said mindless eating. So it may not even be anxiety. You just might be putting too much food on your plate or just eating too much. Tell What's the difference between mindless and emotional? They're they're intertwined. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure there is a lot of difference between Mm -hmm. it. Mindless more is like if you're just kind of bored or restless. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at mindless, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of grabbing for something because it's there. Mm-hmm. Emotional is more you're filling a gap in your life mm-hmm. with food. And, you know, some examples of gaps that I talk, you know, I'm talking about, you know, filling these voids. When I meet with people initially, we do something called the circle of life, and I ask people to evaluate certain areas of their life on their on a fulfillment level. So your confidence level, your education level, your career, your health, your physical activity, your home environment, your relationships. And I ask them to rate them. And if something really is glaring mm-hmm. on, on being unsatisfactory, that's a really good place to start. Mm-hmm. And so when you get people, so then you really 
have to, in order for your coaching, if you will, to work or to be effective, you do have to go emotional with people. You can't just do the, here's this is what you need to eat. You really do. So you do start out with something that gets people to start thinking about who they are. I really do for the majority of people. There are people who just want some basic nutrition mm-hmm. information, mm-hmm. and that's good too. Um, but most people know when they come to work with me because they've either been referred to me or they've seen me speak they know that I am going a little bit deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And I work with people. It's not just a one and done. I mean, we're we're working together to try to figure this out. Right. Um, so, yes, there's the basic nutritional component. But, yes, I do ask people to go a little bit deeper. And sometimes if people aren't willing to do that, and I feel like that's key to success, then maybe it's not a good fit for us, too, um, because that person's not ready. Mm-hmm. That person's not ready to go where they need to go to to de- define the relationship. Well, what do you say to someone who who doesn't have the resources to work with a coach? I mean, give us just a, a little crumb of what somebody can do, just one little thing somebody can do who, um, you know, is an emotional eater or they're not sure. And I know we talked about this earlier, but I want to just keep opening up that subject because maybe people are just joining us and I really want to go a little deeper about how people can start to look at um, emotional eating. The very first thing, like I mentioned, and I've got two two different ways you can go. The very first thing I mentioned is just to start writing down mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Just recap your day. Mm-hmm. Was it good? Uh, what was good? What was bad? When did you find yourself not taking care of yourself, food-wise or otherwise? Um, just starting to track it. Do you see trends? What do you? How do you want to feel better? Mm-hmm. Some people are, you know, fine with that introverted kind of way. At the same time, some people need a support group around them. Mm-hmm. They want to be and want to know they're not alone. When you say, how do you want to feel better, what do you mean? Give us some examples of how you, how somebody could feel better. And people may not even know they feel bad, so what can they be looking for? Most, The most obvious one for people is weight, for women. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say women because mm-hmm. most of my clients are women, yes. and it's weight. Mm-hmm. And especially this time of year, I can't tell you a day does not go by where I hear, oh, I ate too much the holidays, I need mm-hmm. to lose this last 10 pounds. This is the year I'm going to, you know, fit into those size eight jeans. Mm-hmm. I've, so a lot of it is, it's, it starts with weight. Mm-hmm. But as you drill down a little bit more, it's like, yeah, I just, I don't feel like getting up in the morning mm-hmm. or um, I just don't, I'm not really motivated to go to the gym. And you, you just kind of take it from there. Mm-hmm. But weight's the most obvious one. It's the most obvious one. Mm-hmm. How much mental you know, maybe what it, what do you say to, let me ask you this question, because you're the one with the clients and, and the training, how much of it is, you know, if somebody is um, not emotionally feeling well, could be related to their diet? I mean, and they're fit, you know, they're reasonably fit or whatever. How much of that could be related to diet if they're not emotionally feeling well? I always look at food and diet as your first line of defense. Mm-hmm. So if you're not feeling well, if you're feeling chronically ill in some way, stomach problems, fatigue, um, skin problems, it's not going to hurt you to delve in and change your diet. Okay. It's, for, it's the first line. You may have something more serious going mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. and then that you know, you're referred out and that can be addressed. But start there. I've, I've had many, many people whose skin problems have been cleared up by just cutting out dairy 
or gluten or um, nuts. It you know everybody's different. That's my motto, but uh, it's the first line of defense. Play with it. It's food. It's not going to hurt you. You are listening to Bread and Roses on KBOO Portland. I'm your host, Della Ray. We're talking to Sherry Sakanagi about emotional eating. And I think it's important that we point out what you just said about just taking the time to notice what we're eating. How long would you recommend somebody logging or journaling what they're eating? How long? Seven to ten days. Wow. Seven to ten days. Mm -hmm. That's not long. It's not long. And so what would you, how do you recommend, what would you recommend for someone, again, who doesn't have um, necessary resources to maybe see a coach like you and their food is going to be mainly fast food or, you know, they don't really have the resources to necessarily get a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables? What would you say? That's really hard because I I put so much um power in good nutritional food Mm -hmm. and it's for me I would give up some stuff to make sure I have that Mm -hmm. I do realize that a lot of people don't have access to it doesn't always have to be fast food and even if it is there are so many more healthy choices out there but a really good resource for people who just want to kind of start connecting start connecting with other people in your same circumstance and then one website I know that or that people really like is Mm sparkpeople.com, something like that, or weightwatchers.com, where you can log on, you join a group of people, and you can throw those questions out there. I'm a working single mother. I don't get home until this time. Hey, throw it out there to a community like you and get some feedback about it. Spark.com. Sparkpeople.com is just one that, that has connected with women that I've worked with. Okay. And Weight Watchers is good, too. I, I, I don't subscribe solely for their philosophy. I think they do some good work. Mm-hmm. But my main concern is that women have a place to go to talk to other women because I guarantee you, if you are struggling with a food issue or a body issue, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. And don't think that you are. Just reach out. There's other people out there. And, man, I love working with groups. I love working with people one-on-one, but groups are amazing. There's sometimes I can just sit back and people just feed and learn from each other. Yeah. And you know what it's like when you're wrestling with something and yeah. you're like, you kind of throw it out there and people are like, oh, my gosh, me too. Yes. And you're like, yes. all right, then. I'm, yes. not, I'm not crazy. Yes, and thank you for that. And, again, this is why I do this show because I want people, I want to talk about everyday things so people know that they're not alone and that there are answers out there. And so I want to dig a little deeper with you on what you said earlier when you said you have some clients that come in that don't know anything. What do you, how, where do you start with them? And I know you're going to say you journal, but how do you, I mean, where do you even go? People who don't know anything, I really start with the basics of nutrition. Mm-hmm. The basic, this, this is what a protein is. This is mm-hmm. what a carb is. Right? This is how it works in your body. Yeah. Here's what can happen if you don't have enough nutrients. I, I truly start with the basics mm-hmm. of good, solid nutritional foundation. Mm-hmm. For people who just, just like want to lose weight and they want to see results mm-hmm. really fast, we talk about calories in and calories out. We don't get too complicated. Okay. Um, some people need to see results fast right. in order to stay motivated, and I get that. So you, so you do talk about calories and whatnot. Um, what do you do 
for people then that have all this nutrition background and they know what they're talking about and they've studied it all, what do you, how do you help them? We start looking at your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Really start looking at the lifestyle because if you have the nutrition component locked down, I still ask you to start journaling. Mm-hmm. And that's when we start journaling, okay, how much are we eating? Mm-hmm. Because too much of anything is not necessarily a good thing either. Right. Okay. Um, and then how you're eating and how you're eating is huge. That could be a show in itself and I, I we should touch on it. But how you are eating, the way your affects the way your body metabolizes food. What do you mean? Um, if you are eating in a state of stress and hurry and rush and and anxiety, mm-hmm. your body is not absorbing the nutrients it needs. Your body is in a state of fight or flight and you're putting it there and your body's like, We're, it's crisis, crisis time, I'm going to just take this food and I'm just going to store it. It's not utilizing it. Um, the way that you eat food, it truly, people are like, I love food. If you love food, let's set up an environment for you to enjoy your food because when you just start shoveling it in, mm-hmm. you're not doing yourself any good. So what you're saying is when, you know, we're at work at our desk, we're in a hurry, we got to make it to that meeting in the next few minutes and we just inhale that sandwich, that's bad news. It is. And there's times that, there's times you have to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, before a tennis match, sometimes I'm scarfing down my sandwich and I'm like, I sh- this is not good. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm doing it, but I do it anyway because you have to. And I get that. What I really ask people to do is when I, when I start having them experiment with this is just pick one meal. One meal during that week, I want you to take it. I want you to sit at a table. I want you to dim some lights, perhaps light a candle. And if it usually takes you 10 minutes to eat a meal, I want you to make it 20. Just one meal for one week, and then we take it from there. Mm, That is incredible advice. Because I know I have a tendency to, you know, be at work and just – go off for a second and eat my lunch because I want to have time to do something else. I want to sit on that for a minute. That's, that's really good. And again, it's that eating good food in a, an enjoyable way mm-hmm. is one of the best self-care things we can do. It is one of the easiest things we can do. It's food 20 minutes out of your your lunch hour, to enjoy it, it's self-care. Yeah, for sure. And if you love food, enjoy your food. Yeah. So eating dinner in front of the TV. It's, it's, it's tempting, isn't it? Yeah, but do you, believe, do you believe in the thought that when you eat in front of the TV or when you're eating, you know, you're, not, you're eating more and you're not paying attention to what you're eating? Absolutely. You will not register how much you're eating. You will not register that you ate. You will feel hungrier sooner. And this is a perfect journal experiment. Mm -hmm. Do that. Eat in front of the TV. See how you feel. My digestion almost every single time. In fact, my husband's always flipping the lights on during, like, because I dim the lights and Mm -hmm. I want it quiet. He's always flipping lights on. Like, turn them down. I don't. I just don't feel as good when I've got electronics going and lights on. And do try the experiment. Tell you tell me how you feel after eating from the TV or after eating at the table, having nice conversation with your family. Oh, touche. Good one. So let me ask you this: 
I want I, I keep backing you up because you're saying so many amazing things about nutrients. You said that um, how your body digests nutrients and the basic nutrients that your body needs. But then you also said people are different. So how, where do you start with nutrients for people? Where do you say, okay, these are your baseline nutrients. What are they? Uh, proteins, carbohydrates, and healthy fats. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, everybody, all of our body. Our, our body uses protein to build muscle, mm-hmm. um, carbohydrates for energy. Healthy fat is so, like avocados and ov- olive oil actually help you with energy and weight, and mm-hmm. people tend to cut back on those. So, you know, it depends on your body weight and your activity level, and we look at all that. But those are the basic macronutrients that you need. Water, a lot of people don't get enough water, and that's simply a quick fix. If you're a dragon and you start drinking enough water, you can feel better. Okay. I'm almost afraid to ask you this question, what is enough water? Uh, You know the answer, my friend. Maybe? It it depends. Again, it depends on, okay, because I have a personal training background as well, I can go hardcore book school, you know, drink half your body weight in wa- ounces of water if you want a hard and fast rule. If you're very, very active, you need to drink more. Say that again. Half your body weight of water in ounces. So if you're 150 pounds, you want to weigh you, 75 ounces of water. A day? A day. And if you're active, you're going to want more. That's just textbook. I don't go textbook necessarily. I just think drink. Right. But, you know, that's what I say. See, you're saying that's just textbook, but there's a lot of people that don't know. Right. They don't. So that's a good starting place. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, uh, it's just a good starting place. Water. And with the nutrients that you say, the basic nutrients that we need, again, there's a lot of people that, you know, the whole thing, I mean, because we're just told we're we're fed so much information like carbs are bad. They're, yeah. This is bad. This is this is good. And in case you're just joining us, I'm your host, Della Ray. You are listening to Bread and Roses. We are sharing time with Sherry Sakanagi, health coach, and we're talking about emotional eating. And when we left for break, we were talking about water and we were talking about carbohydrates. And I promised we'd get right back to this. So let's go back to that. And I want to just open up about how we're, we're given so many messages about food itself and about don't we, you know, now we don't do carbs. Now we do this. Um, talk to us about all the fads, if you will. It is so interesting. And this is the part I love. And I am a huge guinea pig on myself, much to my family's chagrin. I, my parents look at me like I'm wackadoodle sometimes. Um, not every trend, like I said, is going to work for everybody, mm-hmm. but some are going to be amazing. And I'll tell you what worked for me. When I first started kind of delving into this, I was sitting reading a book called Skinny. Yeah. It's out on the, it's yeah. pretty popular. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like, don't eat this and don't eat that and don't eat this and don't eat that. And, you know, I was feeling sluggish and I could drop a few pounds. I had just had it, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. So I tried some stuff. Well, I, start, I, I cut out meat. At one point, I just said, I'm not going to eat meat. Mm-hmm. Boom. And I, I, boom. I just dropped the weight. My energy went up. My skin improved. My digestion, oh, my gosh, was so much better. Um, and I haven't eaten meat since. It's just it worked for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, vegetarianism, fad, 
that worked for me. But yeah. certainly if somebody's having success on the paleo diet, they're looking at me going, mm, yeah, not so much. Right. It's all a really experiment with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, it's just food. And if you don't feel good, cut something out. Yeah. doesn't make a difference, but you have to be aware. And that's where the awareness part comes in. I talked to somebody today who, who just kicked a really pretty bad Diet Coke habit. I'm like, how are you feeling? She's like, I don't really notice a difference. I'm like, I'm wondering. In my head, I'm like, I'm just wondering if, if maybe she's just one of those people that's just not dialed in with their body. Because mm-hmm. that, that, that's a pretty significant change. Yeah, Diet Coke? Yeah. That's, that's a big one. Yeah. You know, Sherry, what I want to give you kudos on and compliment you for is that you do practice what you preach. And you absolutely, because I've known you for a long time, and you, know, you and I have had many discussions around food. And I still feel like every time I talk to you, I learn something new. So, again, I just want to you know, open this up for the listeners that you know, you, you, it's one of those things. You, there's no limit to the knowledge. And what I like about what you actually have on your website, which I find to be true, and, and it's obviously coming out in this interview right now, that you write on your website, I am not perfect. There are setbacks. We all have them. It's how you deal with them that makes the difference. And, again, I just that's just so much who you are. Talk to us about, and, I, and again, talk to us about, what a setback is and how you experience setbacks and give us something for people that experience setbacks. There, I think the, the, the thing with setbacks are that if you, we all experience, maybe you, you, you see a setback as going on vacation for a week and eating too much and coming back five pounds heavier. You might see that as a setback. Are you going to say, I blew it, too bad, I'm just going to continue on, and you gain another five and another five, or you're like, okay, let's shore this thing up and get back on track. Don't take a setback is the way it's going to have to be from then on out. Keep your eye on your goal. What do you want your goal to be? How are you going to get yourself there? Little setbacks aren't going to hurt you. I have them all the time. Give us an example. Um, Well, for... uh, I am, like I said, I am an emotional eater. Mm -hmm. I will find myself with my hand in a bag of, okay, granted they're kale chips, but a lot of kale chips still are not that good for you. Mm -hmm. I don't feel good afterwards. I beat myself up a little bit. And then I, you know, but I'm, I'm aware that I'm doing it. I think it's the awareness part of it. Be aware that you've done it. Acknowledge it and move on. Mm -hmm. Don't carry it with you. It's, it kind of goes with that quote. It doesn't, you know, regardless of how many times you fall down, it depends on how many times you choose to stand up. Exactly. And we are so resilient, especially women are so resilient. I mean, we we get knocked down and we get back up and we get birth and we get cancer and, and we do it all and we keep going. And so if you think that, you know, a week of eating bonbons is going to knock you on your butt for the rest of your life. Forget that. You're, we're so much better than that. Yeah. You, If you have your goal, if you know where you want to be, you will get yourself there. And I don't want to end this without making this point. You listen to your body. It's going to take you where you want to go. You don't need a book. You don't necessarily even need someone like me. You may need me to help teach you to tune into your body but if you really listen to your body, it's going to take you there. It's going to tell you. You may not go there, but it'll tell you what it needs. 
Another nugget that I picked up off of your site, you say keep it reasonable, measurable, and specific, or maybe that's your voicemail. I don't know, but break that down to us. Keep it reasonable. Talk, talk to us about uh, that. Reasonable goal. I want to lose 20 pounds in 10 days. Not reasonable. Not going to happen. I'm going to lose a half a pound a week. Very reasonable. Very achievable. And measurable. Same thing. And I'm just going to kind of, the, the weight thing's easy for, to use as an example, so I'm going to stick with that. You can measure a half a pound a week by getting on the scale once a week. Not every day. Once a week. You can measure your success by doing that. Why not every day? Uh, water weight, PMS, um, too much salt in the soy sauce with your sushi. Mm-hmm. Sets you off. Oh, my gosh, I'm up a pound. Messes with you mentally. You give up. Hmm. I like that. Specific. Um, be specific about, and that kind of goes with the other two, just be specific about your goal, what your goal is. I want to, January 15th, I am going to run that 5K. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to get there, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. I'm going to run three miles on the treadmill you're going to set a specific plan for yourself. Mm-hmm. Keep it specific. Just saying, I'm going to run a marathon someday is not specific. Um, so it, it's got to be a plan that you can measure, mm-hmm. and it has to be reasonable. If I said right now that um, next Sunday I'm going to go run a marathon, that's not reasonable for me. Mm. Mm. I want to ask you another, I want to go back to the food part and the, our relationship with food. I know we only have a few more minutes, but I really want to leave our audience with more thoughts around relationships and food and food and relationships. I love the idea around, you know, keeping it reasonable and measurable and specific. But me, myself, I have to stop and think. You know, I'll be ready to eat something. I'm like, oh, do I really want that? Am I hungry? I mean, I'm constantly having to do that. Am I hungry or am I eating that because it's there and it's steaming hot? Talk to us about that. I always tell people um, if they want to test if they're hungry, Mm. and a lot of times we are afraid of being hungry. Like we just keep snacking. For some reason we're afraid to be hungry. Um, If you want to know if you're hungry or if it's something else, think of eating an apple. I'm going to go eat an apple and have a glass of water. If that's appealing to you, you're probably hungry. If you're like, mm, yeah, no, Snickers, I don't think you're so hungry. Um, you know, it's it's a little trick like that. And it stops you. Like, it really stops you to think. And you may go, yeah, mm, I'm going to eat that Snickers even though I know I really shouldn't. And I'm emotionally eating because I just had a fight with a coworker. And you may do it anyway. But I applaud you because you're acknowledging it. And you're recognizing it. You're not. You're doing it anyway. But that's a huge first step to realize you're doing it anyway. Okay. We we could have just started the show with that whole test and ended it right there in a couple minutes. Love that. If you think you're hungry, and you have, if you think an apple in a glass of water sounds great, or something, or a piece of fruit doesn't. You know, not everybody likes apples. And if that doesn't sound great and you still reach over the apple to get to the Twinkie, you're probably not hungry. That's right. Give us some more about some ideas around how we can really check in with ourselves about food and our emotion. Another, um, I know a lot of people will struggle, so they'll maybe sit there and they'll be like, 
I really want that bowl of ice cream. I know I shouldn't have that bowl of ice cream, but I really want that bowl of ice cream. What I ask people to do is have some uh, interference things in place, Mm -hmm. things you enjoy, going for a walk, taking a bath, calling a friend, something that you can put in place to do first Mm -hmm. and do them. So if you really want that bowl of ice cream, tell yourself you're going to go take a bath, and then after your bath, do you still want the bowl of ice cream? Because you may not. That bath may have fulfilled the need um, that you were searching with the ice cream. Hmm. What do you say to not even have an ice cream in the house in the first place? That's hard for me because I love ice cream. So to tell people not to have ice cream in the house in the first place is tough. But for the clients who have really struggled with something like that, mm-hmm. I've suggested to them to have it out of the house yeah. because in order to get it, they will have to get in their car and mindfully go and seek it out, which gives you pause to thought to think. Mm-hmm. They may go do it anyways, but at least they've given to th- some thought to mm-hmm. it, which is the first step to changing behavior. Yeah. So if it's really something you're struggling with, yeah, get it out of the house. Mm-hmm. And if you really, really want it, you'll find a way to get it. Right. right. Um, but try the interference things. You know, we're looking for, a lot of times we're looking for the comfort. We're looking for the endorphin high that comes from maybe a sugary thing or a carby thing. But you can get those endorphin highs. Studies have shown talking to a friend, connecting with other people, mm-hmm. exercise, those raise those really feel-good endorphins just as, just as much as like a, a thing of French fries. Hmm. That is some food for thought, isn't it? That's really cool. So tell me this. What are your thoughts about alcohol um, around stress and eating and do you believe this is my question do you believe that when you've had a couple drinks that increases stimulates your appetite yes yes i do it stimulates your appetite and it lowers your um you know you start to feel kind of loose and kind of happy and oh what's one more piece of pie and um your inhibitions go down and maybe you're not thinking as clearly So alcohol does not, if you're looking to, on a daily basis, and Mm -hmm. remember, if you're at a New Year's Eve party, have at it, that's fine. But on a daily basis, um, alcohol is not going to help you achieve your health and wellness goals. Mm -hmm. So I just, I read something just recently about the amount of calories that are in alcohol that really surprised me. And talk to us a little bit more about that really quickly. It's just a, you know, a glass of wine at 150 calories or, you know, one of your fruity drinks at up to 350 calories. Mm-hmm. They're calories. You, if you're trying to lose weight, there are just more calories in that you're going to have to burn off. So um, I enjoy a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And to me, I enjoy having that with my meal and I, I plan accordingly around it. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, when one turns into five, there's some other things going on there. <laughs> I'd say. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying not to laugh right now. <laughs> so that's funny. Um, so I want to ask you a question. As we are, as people are looking for, you know, and so the people that may want to work with somebody, how do we know if we're working with someone, a coach, if we were to have a coach, how do we know we're working with someone that is complementary to us? How do we know we're getting where we need to get. I mean, talk talk to us about that. 
The most important thing if you're working with somebody, anybody, um, is to meet with that person ahead of time. You, you have to have a good rapport. Feel open with somebody in order because a lot of this you are you're getting kind of personal. Mm-hmm. It's not just about your calories in and calories out. So if you feel comfortable with somebody where you feel like you could share a lot of what's going on in your life, um, you're, you're on the right road. They'll help guide you to where you need to be. If you are not comfortable and you feel the need to kind of keep it just like fats and calories and that sort of thing, uh, you may not be in the right place. Yeah. And quickly, give us, you have a couple minutes here, tell us what you want people to know about the importance of emotional eating. Just Can you wrap up this last 50 minutes? Emotional eating is completely, absolutely normal. It can be wonderful. You can enjoy food. It's part of life. It's part of celebration. The concern comes when food becomes an obsession where it starts to fill a void where you start to feel uncomfortable around it and obsessing about it Um, just if that's the time to look at your relationship with it food is to be enjoyed I absolutely love food I I enjoy food and I would hate to have that go away I want that for everybody I want them to enjoy it it's a huge part of our lives Um, it's just it's just become complicated for so many people. Sherry, you have a brilliant website. You have information and blogs and recipes and all these amazing things. Give us your website, please. My website is www.themissionofnutrition.com. And I do have some amazing recipes on mm-hmm. there and just some helpful tips. And um, I'm always open for questions and that sort of thing as well. My goal is to just help people. I, I really would love to see see women who struggle find the light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you so much. It's that time. We've got to wrap it up. Can you believe it? There's so much more I would love to talk to you about. Sherry, will you come back and talk to us more? I would love to come back, Della. Thank you. Mm, thank you. I'm absolutely just thrilled to thank our guest, Sherry Sakanagi. And I want to leave you with this. Dear people, dear listener, now is the time to take the very best care of ourselves all of the time, and everywhere we go, no exceptions. Thank you for joining us this evening, and be well.